Curry fades the rough corners. Durant with a dribble. Crossover top of the key. Crossover again. Takes a jumper off the dribble. It's good over Capella. KD's got it going. He's got 26. Draymond to the trailing Clay Thompson. Spot up three. Got it! Curry. Dribble drive on Tucker. Down the lane to the rim. Right hand finish. Off the window. It's up and good. Harden dribbles. Turns and shoots a foul line jumper. It's no good. Buzzer sounds and game one goes to the defending champions. The Warriors outscore the Rockets by 12 in the second half, 62 to 50, and win by 13, 119 to 106, and lead the Western Conference Finals one game to nil. Golden State last night steals home court advantage in game one of the Western Conference Finals, rocking Houston 119 106. Game tied at the half. Golden State, a quick five-point lead in the third quarter, advanced it to 13, led by seven after three, and then opened the fourth quarter on a 13-7 run and led by double digits most of the rest of the way. Uh, Obviously, uh, that would hurt if you're a Houston Rockets fan because it looks so easy for Golden State throughout. Uh, And then, you know, now uh, Houston, the one seed in a hole, they'll host game two tomorrow night. Game two in the East tonight in Boston. Boston won the opener Sunday in a breeze, 108-83. We'll talk about those. In advance of that tonight, the Orlando Magic at the table, again for the sixth straight year at the NBA Lottery. It's in Chicago. Uh, The Magic have a 29% chance to make a top three draft pick this summer, but we'll learn more tonight. We'll talk about all of that in just a minute with Philip Rossman Reich, and he's at Orlando Magic Daily. First, the shot doctor reminds us. That every hour, once an hour from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Friday is your chance to win $1,000 in cold hard cash with the keyword to text. Listen for it once an hour. It's coming up again in the 5 o'clock hour. Your chance to win $1,000 in cash. If somebody said, shot doctor, what would you do with $1,000 in cash, Jerry? You know what my answer would be? Give it to Jerry O'Neill. No. How about a baseball trip? You can come along if you want. Huh. A $1,000 baseball trip. Your chance to win that comes up. $1,000 $1,000 in cash with a keyword to text coming up again next hour. Very good. Uh, no matter what happens at the NBA draft lottery, the Orlando Magic are in fine position. So says our next guest. He wrought, uh, wrote uh, the piece online at orlandomagicdaily.com. Philip Rossman Reich, our guest. Philip, how are you? I'm doing good. Feeling feeling lucky today. All right. Well, elaborate on no matter what happens at the NBA draft lottery, the Orlando Magic are in fine position. What makes you conclude that? Well, this is this is an incredibly deep NBA draft. Uh, there are, by by many people's estimation, there are at least five, six, possibly even seven guys with star potential in this NBA draft. It's a very top heavy NBA draft, and even after those six or seven guys. There's probably three, four, five more who anyone could see being clear starters. And obviously the rookie of the year conversation this year centered around Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell was drafted 11th. So uh, to me right now, this, this, pick, this, this pick is really important. The Magic do have to get it right. They do have to get a guy that's going to be a major contributor. But to me, this pick is a piece of the puzzle. I don't think that we're quite at the end of the, end of the woods yet or out of the woods yet. And so I think that what's most important right now is the Magic focused on getting a good player out of this pick, the best player that they can out of this pick. And whether they win the lottery or not, it's not a reason to be disappointed. There's going to be a, there's, there's going to be a brighter future ahead with wherever they're picking. With their uh, finish of 25 and 57 in their 82-game schedule, we know the Magic have a 29% chance of picking in the top three that they could earn tonight in the lottery. 
we know that they cannot pick fourth. They have a better chance, 26% to pick fifth, 35% chance, almost 36 to pick sixth, and almost minute chance uh, to pick uh, seventh or eighth. But that possibility does exist. Uh, but you think it's deep enough. Are there uh, three or four players that you would covet that you think are the best available regardless of where they draft? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously it depends how the draft falls to them. But, you know, let's say the Magic, let's say everything goes to form and the Magic end up drafting fifth. That, that probably means that the Magic will be, t- will be picking between Mohamed Bamba, who has, has a 7'9 wingspan, you know, fits the kind of prototypical NBA center. He's athletic, he's agile, he's got a long, long wingspan to, to defend the rim and block shots. He's already very defensive-minded coming out of Texas. Or you're picking Trey Young from Oklahoma, who is the, you know, the, the kind of lightning rod point guard from Oklahoma, the, the, really the closest thing we've ever seen to Stephen Curry since Stephen Curry came out. And if neither of those guys float your boat, you've got Marvin Bagley probably, you've got Michael Porter Jr. from Missouri. Guys, um, Marvin Bagley obviously put up some huge numbers at Duke, was a, was a great offensive player there. Michael Porter Jr. was probably the consensus number one overall pick entering this draft before his back injury at the beginning of the season. And while that is a huge risk, and, and I think there's some other elements in play with him, all those guys have star potential to me. So if, if, if Magic fans are looking to this draft to draft a future star, even if they don't end up in the top three, there are guys that are going to be able to make a, a pretty that, – that could very well make a very clear impact, of course, depending on how they develop, uh, but clearly have the talent to be an impactful player uh, for this team moving forward. All right, Phil, let's go back to Trey Young and elaborate on this guy. So he will probably – if the Magic pick fifth, good chance he's sitting there right there at number five. The Magic uh, don't have a point guard right now. So Trey Young kind of fits the need. Talk about his skills at Oklahoma. The ups and downs that he had, most of the ups, though, and how that would translate to how the NBA point guards that are great right now would be based on his skill set. I mean, you just look at Trey Young's raw statistics, and you're just kind of in awe. I mean, he, he averaged somewhere near you know 25 plus points per game, points per game. Uh, really, just even watching him, he has that kind of ability to warp a defense because his range is so far. I mean, he's got Stephen Curry range; he can shoot it from the logo almost. Uh, you have to cover him almost the moment he crosses half court, and he's already proven himself that he can uh, break defenses down, that he can get into the paint, and and again cause cause the defense to collapse around him and free up open shooters. And that's something the Magic have really been missing. They they haven't had a point guard who could get into the paint and create openings for other players. The thing I don't think we talk enough about with Trey Young is his passing ability. Uh, I think that Trey Young is a really gifted passer. He had the assist, he had the assist numbers at Oklahoma, but didn't have a great team around him to begin with. So it possibly could have been even better. But what what I was always really impressed with Trey Young was he made the simple passes perfectly. He will he will put a chest pass right in your shooting pocket so you can go up immediately for a shot. And I and I think that that's really a skill that we don't talk enough about that I think could very well translate better to the NBA than, than possibly even in shooting. Young does have some drawbacks that I think you do have to consider. He's a little bit small for a point guard, um, and he isn't the best finisher at the rim. He needs to get to the foul line when he gets, gets close to the basket, or he's going to have some trouble finishing over bigger defenders at times, or he's got to learn how to do that. And his turnovers were a major problem last year. Having said that, on the turnover front at least, at Oklahoma, he was doubled almost every time he got into the paint, almost every time he touched the ball. 
And at a certain point, and, and that's something he's probably not going to see in the NBA. And certainly the, the players around him should be a little bit better as well. So there are definitely some concerns with Trey Young. His defense probably isn't anything to speak home about. But again, this is probably the best, the closest thing we've seen to a Steph Curry imitation since Steph Curry came out of Davidson. And, and I think that's pretty hard to ignore because obviously Stephen Curry's been pretty good. <laughs> So we saw Marvin Bagley a lot because Duke is on TV almost every game, and Marvin Bagley was everything they thought it would be when he went to Duke. He scored, he rebounded, he had a lot, a lot of highlight reels out of this guy. But I want you to talk, Philip, about his game and how that also translates to the NBA game for a guy six foot ten plus. Yeah, Bagley is is a really really interesting guy. Obviously, he has the raw numbers to to uh, get himself into this conversation. You know, possibly as a top three pick, possibly possibly in the top five, certainly among that top group of guys. Um, he's, he's still got a little bit of work to do, I think, to, to take his game to that next level and really kind of get into the conversation with some of those, those best players. Um, he, to me, he looks more like a traditional power forward, which isn't quite in vogue right now in, in the league. And, and I think that that's kind of the biggest concern with him is, is where do you put him on the floor? How do you get the most out of him, get the most out of his scoring? He's obviously a really gifted offensive player, but he's not quite a stretch four yet. He's not able to. He's not a, a great three point shooter. Not a great shooter overall from the from the perimeter. And he's probably not big enough to play center. And and I think that's the biggest concern with me on Marvin Bagley, uh, especially on the defensive end, which is probably more important these days. At Duke, they Mike Krzyzewski does not like playing zone defenses. Coach K does not play zone defenses. He, he hates it. And yet at Duke, they played zone defense almost primarily. And a lot of people think the reason why is because Bagley just was not quite getting it on the defensive end, even with a gifted defender and Wendell Carter next to him uh, at center. So it, 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 Bagley is, is a really gifted scorer, really gifted offensive talent, but he's got a lot of growing growing to do on the defensive end especially, and he's probably got to learn how to shoot a three-point shot in, in the very near future, or his NBA potential could be a little bit stunted. It's a little bit after 5 o'clock in the East. We are WYGM Orlando, WJRR HD2 Cocoa Beach. Uh, FM 96.9 The Game is Orlando's sports leader. Our guest is Philip Rossman-Reich. He's with OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We're talking a little bit about the NBA draft because tonight is the NBA lottery. Uh, the Magic, again, at the table, uh, any non-playoff team is, right? Then there is the possibility of three teams who will lose their draft pick from previous trades, uh, and that's all a part of tonight's lottery as well. Philip, uh, as well, the Orlando Magic have yet to name a head coach after uh, Frank Vogel was uh, dismissed at the end of his second year. Eight teams are changing coaches at this hour that we know. Uh, four places still remain vacant. Four have hired new coaches. Atlanta hired a coach over the weekend, Lloyd Daniel Pierce, who was a Philly assistant. James Borrego, one-time interim here, has been an assistant at San Antonio, is the new head coach at Charlotte. J.B. Bickerstaff had been an interim at Memphis, but now takes the head job. And Phoenix hired Utah assistant Igor Kaskaskov. Uh, The Magic, along with now Toronto, Detroit, and the New York Knicks still have vacancies. What do you know about how the Magic are searching, uh, how that's going? You know, the Magic have been extremely quiet on the coaching front. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of information getting out there. Um, really, all we know is that the Magic, inter- really all that's been made, pu- made public, or at least through reporting, 
is that the Magic have interviewed three candidates. Uh, Imi Yadoka, an assistant coach with the Spurs, Portland Trailblazers assistant coach David Vanterpool, and David Fisdale, uh, who took the job with the New York Knicks. There really isn't a lot of information out there. I mean, we can all assume that the Magic have interviewed a few more candidates, but they just aren't ready to make that decision. Maybe they're waiting for the NBA draft lottery to take place. Maybe they think, you know, if we get in the top three, maybe we want a different kind of coach or a coach that connects with the player that we think we'll be picking in a different way than if we're picking at five or six. Or maybe the Magic have just kind of decided, you know, we don't feel a rush in this process. We're not maybe competing with some of the other openings. I mean, uh, uh, the openings that are available, Milwaukee and Toronto are probably looking for a different kind of coach than the Magic are looking for. Uh, if, if, as, a, as a rebuilding team, maybe the Magic were waiting for the Raptors to get eliminated so they could interview Nick Nurse, who's an assistant coach there, or Dwayne Casey, who was fired from Toronto, or you know someone else. And then right now, Toronto's kind of going through the process and interviewing some of their in-house guys. So maybe the Magic were waiting for that for that domino to fall to, to figure out what, what direction they wanted to go. Um, but right, uh, but honestly, Jeff Waldman and his staff, uh, whoever's actually whoever's left in the Amway Center has kind of kept everything quiet. Um, it's, it's not particularly clear what direction the Magic want to go. It, it sounds like they want a kind of player development, player relationship, assistant coach type. But at this point, no one really knows what the Magic are looking for or who, whether the Magic are even close to making a hire. Um, if they were going to make a hire, you'd think they would have done it by Monday or announced it Monday, done the press conference Monday, so that coach could join them in Chicago, not only for the NBA draft lottery, which is taking place today, but for the NBA draft combine, which is taking place beginning tomorrow, and all the top prospects uh, outside of, I think, Luka Doncic, who's still playing in Europe, and DeAndre Ayton, I, I think all the top prospects are going to be there and available to be interviewed uh, at, at team's request. Yeah, the 16th. Um, you would think, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you would think that the Magic would want their coach there to be part of that process, but obviously it hasn't happened that way. The Magic are kind of moving slowly, slowly through it. Um, you know, it, is it maybe concerning? I don't know. I mean, it seems like the Magic kind of know what they want to get out of this part of the pro, out of the, out of this part of the process, and you suspect that they name a coach soon. But you know, they've kind of kept everything quiet. Uh, again, Philip Rossman Reich from Orlando Magic Daily is with us. I stand corrected when I named coaches that had been hired. I to- talked about the Knicks being vacant. Obviously, David Fisdale, the Memphis coach, is over there now. So there are three openings uh, at Detroit in C- There's four uh, openings. There are four. Where are they? The, uh, Ma- the Magic, are Orlando, Milwaukee, Toronto. Toronto, and Detroit. And Milwaukee has not named Joe Prunty, who was the interim, the head coach yet, huh? No, Milwaukee. Milwaukee is going through a full interview process. It, okay. it sounds like they're they're chasing after former Hawks coach Mike Budenholzer as well. They've interviewed, I believe, they interviewed Becky Hammond uh, with the Spurs. I believe they've also interviewed Ator Messina with the Spurs. So they, they're probably a little bit further along in the process in the Magic, and, and perhaps you know on, on that front too. Perhaps Orlando hasn't been able to get a commitment from their pers- from their coach or the coach that they would like sure. because maybe they're holding outside hope that they can get the Bucks job, which with Giannis Antetokounmpo there is probably slightly more attractive at this point. Let's talk about Dwayne Casey, former Toronto coach. He had much success there, built the team up, had really nice years there, got swept out of the playoffs, though, and they fired him. They move on from there. Uh, where does Dwayne Casey go from here, and how – much do you think people want to hire Dwayne Casey right now, right away at the Toronto job? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really going to be up to Dwayne Casey if, if he wants to take take a job. I mean, his his record with Toronto over the last six, or, I think it's six or seven years, it really speaks for itself. Yes, he struggled in the playoffs against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, but you know the guy is going to be named Coach of the Year this year probably. He won fifty nine games. He, he took a Toronto team that 
had kind of lost its way and, and turned them into really the most successful run that franchise has ever had. I mean, this, this, this run that they, that they just finished, um, or uh, they're probably not finished, but this run that they're on, on right now, it is the most successful run in the in the Raptors franchise history, and I would argue that the, the Toronto team that lost in the second round this year is probably the best team in Raptors history, even better than than that early 2000s team that had Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady. Um, that's that's a lot of good culture building and a lot of good team building. Uh, it, he just could not get the team over the hump. Um, you know, he, he he does maybe have a have a little bit set in his ways uh, with the offense. They had to change their off. They decided to change their offense up after kind of much discussion and debate. Uh, there was talk about firing him even last year, and then he seemed to make some of those adjustments to, to become even better in the regular season, but the Raptors just couldn't get over the hump in the playoffs. But Casey, Casey has done a lot of really good work in Toronto, and, and he's done a lot of really good culture building. And I think that if he decided he wanted to be a head coach this year, any of the four teams that, that are looking for coaches would have, would have to very seriously consider him and probably slot him as, as the top guy on the board. I mean, if, if he wants the Milwaukee job, I think Milwaukee would be would be would be foolish not to give him an interview and at least figure out if that's a good place for him. Stan Van Gundy, former Pistons coach and of course Pistons president, also he's had after four years. How quickly do you think Stan gets back in, in, into NBA coaching, or do you think he may be out for a little while now? You know, I think Stan might be out for a little while right now. Um, you know, he's he's kind of run run his course as a coach almost. Uh, you know, he he went to Detroit specifically because they gave him the president of basketball operations title. They gave him kind of complete control of the franchise. And, you know, for all the goodwill that Stan built and building the magic and, and the magic becoming what they are or what they, what they were in the late two thousands, the Detroit Pistons really didn't go anywhere. That team really struggled uh, it, this season, this season and really struggled to kind of take that next step. When Van Gundy took over, they thought they were a budding team just about to kind of burst onto the scene. And, and when they made the eighth seed and they finally made the playoffs and really challenged Cleveland, even though that was a four-game sweep. A lot of people believe Detroit was going to be that team that took the next step. That next step never came. The Pistons really struggled to make the playoffs again. Sam Van Gundy's uh, personnel decisions were really put under question, and he really struggled uh, to, to make that team better, a team that has Andre Drummond, that had Tobias Harris, that eventually got Blake Griffin. Um, it, 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 all the pieces just never seemed to work uh, for him in Detroit. And so – it might be a while before he gets another job. He might decide, you know, he, he's got to find a, a management group that he trusts because obviously um, that was something that he sought out specifically with Detroit, and, and he knows how bad things can go if you don't have trust with management. So it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Stan is going to be on, on the shelf or, or doing radio for a little while. Philip, we got to leave it there. Great to catch up with you. Thank you very much for the insights, observations, great articles that both he and others have written at orlandomagicdaily.com. We encourage you to read those. Uh, enjoy the lottery tonight. We'll hook up again down the road, okay? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Philip Rossman-Reich, Orlando Magic Daily, our guest here with the finish line.